This is episode 47 with Bo Whitman. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today, I sit down with Bo Whitman, a former gymnast, collegiate pole vaulter, and now a recent cancer survivor. Even bigger news, Bo just found out that this past Monday, he is 100% cancer-free. We break down how his experience as an athlete helped him with that battle with cancer. And Bo is someone who preaches vulnerability, something that I've been picking up on through him and the true power that really does exist in opening up to that vulnerability. As the old Nike ad goes, Bo knows, and he's here to share his story with all of us. So please welcome him on. So Bo, first and foremost, man, welcome. I'm super excited to get to pick your brain here um, because I love everything that you're putting out in the world and everything that you do. And I think your story is definitely one that is worth sharing with those out there listening. If you could just give us a brief background about who you were as an athlete and kind of how you got to where you are today, the short cliff notes version. <laughs> short cliff notes. Um, <laughs> And it's funny, um, before I even start, just even thinking about that, when people say the short cliff notes, um, I'm fortunate enough to have done so much in my life being mm-hmm. only 28, but I'll give you the short cliff notes <laughs> thinking about it. Um, I was a competitive gymnast for 10 years. I was on the U.S. Junior National Team when I was God, 15, I think, at the time. Um, I was a five-sport athlete in high school, a Division One track and field athlete at Lehigh University. Uh, then I became a let's see everything from personal trainer, CrossFit, Olympic weightlifting, track and field, uh, high intensity hit coach in the city. And then I was also for four years, a division three track coach as well, uh, for fitness. So, and I'm still training, um, in Olympic weightlifting to somewhat try and get back into competing nationally, hopefully at like AO finals or AO. That's awesome. It's, it's cool to see that it never left you in a lot of ways because I think a lot of athletes they get to that former athlete self and they kind of let themselves go a little bit um so it's awesome Mm -hmm. that you stuck with it and also and help are helping other people stick with it um how would you describe your mindset as an athlete and what about it allowed you to become successful and become who you are well I think the, that I get that question a lot, but more backtracked as into why you always this positive, open, vibrant person. Like that's what everyone always like. How do you get there? And like, have you always been that way? And I haven't always been that way. And I remember when I was a gymnast, I was at Parkettes National Training Center. I was at one of the top places you can go for competing as a gymnast back in the '90s and early 2000s. And we were bred to like, if you got hurt you kept your mouth shut and you kept on working out or like, you know, you got to an age when you were like a certain level in the gym where you go to the locker room, you go to this locker that had all the tape and like, you know, some Advil in it and you take it and then you'd go back out and like, you wouldn't tell coach, you just keep on going because you'd either lose your spot or you lose training time or you're just hindering yourself and gymnastics. Yes. It was a team sport, but at the same time was so individual, like, you do your routine, next person jumps on, next person jumps on, like you need to, you can't be screwing around. And over time, uh, as I went from gymnastics to soccer, to wrestling, to lacrosse, to diving, to like track and field, 
I started opening up a little bit more and a little bit more. And that was because of all the injuries I had. Uh, my first made, I mean, first big injury that I had was when I was 14, I had to get reconstruction on my shoulder. Um, and from 14 until 28, and, um, but even before college, I had four surgeries or five, four or five surgeries. There's so many, I lose track. But, um, and every time I had surgery, it was interesting because I would get surgery and the doctor would be like, okay, you're never going to be able to lift your arm 75 degrees above your head again. You'll never be able to do this. No more handstands. And I was like, that's no. I was like, I will always handstand. I will always backflip. That was something that will never be taken away from me. I don't care what. And I, instead of like just doing it on my own, I found a sports therapist that specialized in sports, like getting back into sports and they helped me get back into it. And then, which is different for me because I'm so used to just being like, you know, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to just go home and not say anything. And I remember when I first got hurt too, when I first blew my shoulder out, like I went home, I put a long sleeve t-shirt on. I didn't say anything like, and a week went by and I was just crying myself to sleep at night. And then my mom one day came up to me and was like, why is your shoulder like this? Like this like humongous bulge on the side of your shoulder. And then it was just so swollen. She was like, what is this? Like, and then took me and we found out everything. Um, but it was interesting as I got hurt more, I started opening up more. And then it wasn't until my, I think it was like my junior year or my, it was a right after my senior year of college, I ended up blowing out my wrist and I needed to get my knee done also. But I got my, I blew out my wrist and got my wrist done. And someone approached me and was like, Hey, like your Instagram's all about fitness. You talk about all your injuries. This is like your second time, like, not second time, but like your first time blowing out your wrist, but you've had both your shoulders done and you've had your knee done. Like, can you walk us through how to do it? So like all my posts were about like, okay, this is what you do today. This is what I'm doing. Like, yes, I'm in pain, but I'm still going to do my therapy. This is the therapy I'm doing. And it was interesting. People started reaching out to me being like, oh, this is great. I've always been wondering what to do. Or I don't know what to do because I just got this and the doctors were like, just go to see this person. And we just did stretches and that's it. But there's no like strength mode to it. And then it evolved even more and more and more until I, uh, my recent battle with cancer. And on day one, when I found out the real diagnosis, that's when I was like, okay, guys, this is everything. And every day I made it my goal to go on my Instagram and do 15 seconds of vulnerability of just like, mm -hmm. no matter if it was taboo, sad, funny, me having chemo brain, like not even knowing what the hell I was talking about, like just being present. And it was interesting because some people would reach out to me being like, this is what we needed today. Or like they were going through the same cancer journey, uh, same type of um, journey with the different type of cancer. And they would check in being like, when we have our bad days, we just see what you're doing. So it makes us in a better place, um, which opened me more. And now going forward since then, I mean, that was a year ago almost. And two weeks will be a year ago when I was diagnosed, which is crazy to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um and I just started opening up more, more talking, more, more. And then it just all fell into suit. Now, I, I absolutely love that. And the 15 seconds of vulnerability. I mean, I've only known you, what, two, three weeks at this point? Yeah. Is when we connected for the first time. And dude, when you tagged me in that for the first time on Instagram, I thought to myself, oh my God, what, what is this? Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not ready for this, but I, it's exactly what I needed. And, you know, when you lean into that and you discover that, power that truly lies in that vulnerability there's you become limitless in a sense right like yep 
you expand your mind, your body, like everything there's just expands because of you, you open up and you accept kind of who you are and what you're, you're struggling with. And it goes back to asking for help and being okay with asking for help. I want to talk though about your experience with obviously being diagnosed with cancer. Can you give a little bit of background on just first raw emotions with that initial diagnosis? Was it positive? Was it, oh crap, what do I do? Like walk us through that. Um, it was funny. <laughs> it sounds so wrong to say, but I laughed um, because I have this tendency that right before big competitions or big events where I'm competing in, I will get hurt. Like, and I mean like days before or like the day before or the week before, or like it's right after, like it's like, if you look at my past four surgeries, they all lead to like, if you look at the calendar, like a week later, I had a huge competition or I had something else or I had something else. And it was just one of those things where I was just like, what else can go wrong next? Like that was always my thing. Whenever I was lifting a heavy weight, especially when pole vaulting, like I've done everything possibly wrong in pole vaulting from splintering myself with a pole, missing the mat from 15, 16 feet up, like everything being rejected by pole, like everything possible. And I would laugh every time before I'd go and just be like, ha, nothing could go wrong because I've already done everything wrong. And I would always like say that to myself. And I say that for every big lift too. Like, like I, blew out my wrist catching a 310 pound clean. And like, whenever I get up to like 300 pounds or when I was like before, like with the competition or 275, I'd be warmed up getting ready for these heavy lifts. And I would just laugh thinking to myself, nothing can go wrong. And it was when I found out about the cancer, I had like a little lump in my neck and like two weeks before they thought it was from my sinuses because I had a really bad head cold. Mm-hmm. and they were like we should still go get it looked at like it shouldn't be this big like we can't and it, you could it wasn't that big but the reason why it was big was because it was under my um scap so uh, not um under my shoulder blade and something else like i had like two bumps all over and okay. we went and got scanned at one o'clock in the morning this guy comes around and he goes i just got off the phone of my oncologist and he goes there's no easy way to put this like you have a year and a half it's stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and they probably won't treat you. And like, right when he said that, he's like, looking at me, I'm sitting in the edge of the bed and I just started laughing. I was like, of course it is. Of course it is. My mom's like, Bo, I'm like, like, what do you want? I was like, of course it's this. I was, and I looked at the doctor. I was like, all right, so are we going to the hospital? Like the cancer center down the street? Am I being admitted? Like, what's the deal? And the guy looked at me like, like I was crazy. He was like, you are being way too optimistic right now. And I looked at my mom, my mom started like, I was like, buddy, you've not seen my file. I was like, this is the least of my worries right now. And I, when he said it, like when I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, that's what he said. I, I didn't even think of cancer. Like the first thing that happened to me is I go into this defensive state, which I trained myself is that I'm just injured again. Whenever I get hurt, I always just say I'm injured. And that's what turned my whole entire like mind around right away to put me into that laughing state into that like positive mindset. And like, yeah, it's a scary thought to be thinking like, Oh my God, I might actually have a year and a half to live or like, this could be real. And I remember getting in the car and my mom was like, we're not going to, you know, we're going to go to the Kansas center tomorrow. We're going to wait to see what the biopsy said. And she worked in the hospitals. And when I saw her look, when she looked at the scans, that's when it was like a, a realization to me, like, this is bad. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is really bad. But I remember getting in the car and I told my mom, I was like, hey, I just want you to be honest. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, this isn't real until I'm in 
a hospital. My head is shaved. I have an IV in my arm and chemo is going into my body. It's like, that's when this whole thing is real. But right now I'm injured. I'm still going to go back to the city next week. I'm going to get my work done. I have four events that I have to do. I just went on a rant. She was like, no, you're not. <laughs> and I had to like, I ended up going back. I worked a little bit, but um, it was interesting because I remember Nick Pags interviewed me on his podcast and he asked me and he, he interviewed me like my first cycle in. And he was like, what do you like, what do you think about this cancer? And I told him, I was like, I was, I'm grateful. And he was like, that's so weird. Why are you grateful? I'm like, it's like everything in this moment has built me up to this exact spot in my life right now. Like all my surgeries, I had different mind struggling goals, different body stuff that made my body go haywire where I got sick. I was like, my mind was all over the place. And now that I'm finally facing cancer, like I'm not scared. I'm not tired. I'm not like down in the dumps. I'm like the same me never going to change. Um, and it's just, it takes, and it's, it all relates back to that 15 seconds of vulnerability. And that's why like I do it every Monday because I keep thinking of that first time when I was diagnosed and that first 15 seconds, what did I do? I laughed. I joked about it. I said I was injured being open to myself and everyone in the room kind of off the bat. Yeah. I mean, so. you just dropped so much power in there, but I think for those that missed it, they might've, I think, the biggest takeaway is you did not allow it to be a permanent identity yep. for you. Like you, you accepted that it was your current situation, mm -hmm. like you would accept an injury, but just like an athlete bounces back from an injury, like you knew it's not permanently who you are for the rest of your life. You weren't yep. going to let it define you. And I think that is a huge takeaway. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a way to simplify it in a way, and I used this last night, I was on a, phone call with a girl. She DM me recently diagnosed with cancer. And she was like, I really need someone to talk to you about this. And I've been following your page and I got on the phone with her and she's an athlete. And I was like, okay. And she was talking about how she's freaking out. She just been diagnosed. She's super overwhelmed. She's scared. She, she was just emotions all over the place. And I was like, let's backtrack. Okay. You're, you've been an athlete. You're 21 years old. You've been an athlete like your whole life. I was like, let's sit down, close your eyes. I was like, I want you to picture this. Picture you're playing soccer. She was a swimmer. I was like, picture you're doing off land, okay? Let's say you roll an ankle, okay, while you're running off, off land, okay? And you roll it, and it's one of those rolls where you're like, oh, it's not that bad. Like, I can keep on running through it. And you know, as an athlete, when you've been an athlete long enough, you know when you roll your ankle, it's a roll. Like, you're like, oh, okay, I just have to be careful with it. You're fine. I'll go home. I'll take two days off. I'll be fine. But then every once in a while, there's that roll when you roll it, and you're like, shit <laughs> you know that something's bad like you know and it's that moment where you just you stop and you're like you have that little tantrum and you're like god damn it i'm hurt and then you're like okay i need to go home i need to ice i need to stay off of this but the thing that we don't understand that we do is we actually take a minute to stop and think about everything and i take her through the step and then i go okay right now close your eyes take a breath you just went to the doctor. You found out you had cancer. Now what? And she was just like, well, I need to tell my family. I need to do this. I need to set up appointments to do this. Uh, she's talking about everything that she has to do. And I was like, okay, even deeper, what do you personally have to do? And she took a second. And she kind of like, you know, we all get to that phase where we don't know. And we blanked. And that was the point I was trying to get her rock bottom. And she stopped and she was like, 
I don't know. And I was like, how do you feel right now? And she goes, I feel pretty good. I feel okay right now. And I was like, why? And she was like, because I'm breathing, I'm here. And I realized that like, this is stuff I have to do, but I can do it at my own time now. Like everything else is on pause and I can control what's going to happen right now. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to hear. I was like, you're in control of the situation. The cancer isn't controlling you. When you hear that word cancer and the world is so coined on it and there's, there's many different words like vulnerability, let's use that as like, is shown as such a weakness when it's such a good strength to have. Same thing with cancer. Cancer is coined as such a bad term in the world right now and everywhere. And if you look at any movie, it's always portrayed so bad. And I always laughed when I was going through my chemo because I was terrified not of the chemo, but of the surgeries because like first day I went in, I was like, all right, I asked him, how bad is this chemo really going to be? He was like, okay, first of all, it's nothing like the movies. Don't even go down that road. And really it was never like the movies. Never. I never threw up once. Thank God. Cause I took my painkillers and like all the stuff I had mm-hmm. to take, but it was interesting just taking a step back and really taking advantage of the situation, but you have to form it around, you know, how people will surround themselves with it. So example, using the athlete rolling the ankle, okay. Or putting it in some other metaphorical use where somebody can get to that deep down rock bottom position to remember to just breathe. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. There's so much. I know. (laughs) But I absolutely love it because at its most raw state, you were just accepting who you are and being okay with who you are in that moment and just appreciating that you are enough in your current state. Mm-hmm. And then you worry about everything else from there. Yep. And I think, I mean, athletes can benefit from that and people in general can benefit from that because any growth is going to have to come from that place. Yeah. And first, I mean, it's, it's not to say that I was never in a dark place. Like there yeah. were days, like I sat with that news for three and a half weeks. And I didn't really, I told two, two people told my, this girl who I dated in college, who was like my anchor all through college. And like, we're still best friends. And I told my best friend in the city, uh, who I've known since uh, college, his name's Holden Grindner. And like, they were the only two I told. And there was a day I remember getting on the phone with him and it was like three and a half weeks in three weeks in. And it was like, after all the blood work, everything, we're waiting for the biopsy results. But like, I was told like, this is 99% non-Hodgkin's lymphoma stage four. You have like a year and something to live. And I remember there was one night I sat down and got a word document on my computer. And I started started writing the the damn list of things to do. Like I got to that low and that was my low. And I remember getting halfway through and my buddy was just like, what are you doing? Like what? And I didn't even tell him what I was doing. I was like, what do you want to do this year? Like what if I don't have to work and we can just travel and do shit. And then he got to the point, he was like, are you writing your death, like death wish kind of thing? And I was like, maybe. And he was like, dude, stop this. And then I looked at it. I was like, you're right. I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, we don't even have the biopsy report yet. And then it turned out that I had this like super, super rare cancer that's hundred percent treatable, but it's like four and a half rounds of chemo and two major surgeries. And there's still a chance it can come back, but it's crazy. Like, people need to understand that, that there is a dark side too. Like some people look at my story and they go and they're like, wow, you never had a bad side to your experience, but no, there were, there were bad sides. 
I love that you just opened up and shared that because that's something I struggle with. And we, I posted about it because of you challenging me to, um, we want to put off this perception of everything's okay all the time. And yep. it's not always that way. And you got to the root of that very, very early on in your story here, as you were talking about, you know, popping some tape on your wrists and going back out there when you're hurt and just like doing your thing because that's how we're conditioned. How would you say you are working on inviting people into accepting that vulnerability and finding the true power in their vulnerability when opening up can just scare the crap out of so many of us? Baby steps, aim small, miss small. It's true though. I mean, and you have to look at it. I remember when we talked about this, you were like, oh, I'm so down for this. This is something I really need to work on. And like my call to action that I do with everyone is 15 seconds of vulnerability. And it's amazing how, like one of my favorite quotes is like, work in silence, let your success be your noise. Like that's one, but at the same time, another thing is when you're dealing with vulnerability, when you open up to vulnerability, you don't just inspire yourself with the people around you. And that became like the Bible to me pretty much during my cancer journey, because I, for the first month and a half after I was diagnosed with the correct diagnosis, I, every day I got on and was like, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm doing. This is how what's what's going on. And the days I didn't post, like when I was in bed, couldn't get up, like, I would have people messaging me being like, what happened? What's going on? We need to talk to you. And like, or I would talk about stuff that was like, I was scared about or something that was going on. And so many people would reach out to me being like, how are you opening up about this? Like we're going through the same thing or try this during your, try eating this. This helped me when my stomach was upset or like eat this before you go to bed. Or here's a mattress that were like, people were helping me all over just by me asking questions and being open about it. But on the flip side, it helped them open up themselves to reach out to strangers and help people. Mm -hmm. That's the other side of vulnerability that people don't think about. And I always say like Mondays, join me, do hashtag 15 vulnerability and then put down, you can do it as a video or you can do it as a text. I go back and forth. It depends what I'm talking about. And it can be the simplest thing in the world. Like I know somebody that's terrified of the color orange and i don't know why she is just terrified of she hit speaking of orange because that's i think about it every time i sit behind my head but like i was on the phone with her two weeks ago and she was like i'm terrified of orange i was like and i was i couldn't even ask why because i was like trying to think of myself why she goes oh, she was like i had a really traumatic experience with pumpkins and getting lost when i was little on a pumpkin patch and like now i'm terrified whenever i see orange. it makes sense i was like okay yeah. well everyone has their reasons and she started off with like that she was like it's stupid, but I don't want to say it. I was like, okay, well, why don't you say you're terrified of pumpkins then? Because that's true. It's orange. And she was like, oh, okay. I don't like pumpkins. So she put it that way. And then like every week you start building onto it until you get to that real passion or not passion, but real scare feel. I mean, and you can flip it around. Like I think the same week, same week that we talked, I even went around and said, okay, guys, this week is pretty light for me. I have like three free days of work where I was just going to relax and do nothing but lift. But I used to be an animator and graphic designer. If anyone needs logo help, let me know and I'll, I'll do some logos for you. And I had three people reach out to me and I did three for free. I just did logos for free and I was like, here you guys go. And they were like, oh, this is great. Like we might not use it, but like at the same time, this is a great prototype for like our company that's just starting for a kickup. 
And it was just, you know, giving, not even just giving back, it was being vulnerable enough to open up to just do stuff to mm. help people that need help. Um, so it's all about starting small. Um, if it's on Facebook or if it's just with people that you are living with or people in general, like your friends or anything. Yeah. I think we get lost looking at like, we need the next big thing. Like we need to yep. unleash that huge thing right away, but that's not how anything works. Um, you got to talk about the foundation and you lay that foundation with just little things along the way. How would you describe your current mindset? And how are you working right now to improving that each day? Stable. <laughs> it's been all over the place. I'll be honest with you. Uh, in remission, but like when I beat it, I was, it took me about a month and a half until I really celebrated because I was still in like disarray and was like, is it really over though? Like my brain was still not with it. I was still not with it. And then on top of that, I was going through a lot of the uh, PDST, which it's called something different now, but like I had a lot of um, breathing attacks during my huge surgery with my stomach and chest. And it was because of the, the surgery and because of the chemo, the heavy chemo. So my lungs weren't working like a lot, but I would go through these attacks where I couldn't breathe. And it would freak me out because it's one of those states where you have no control of what's going on, body shaking, not being able to breathe, just sitting there gasping for air while wearing a mask. And um, when I started working out again and started running again, it would just trigger again because I would start losing my breath and I would literally hit the pavement or hit the grass and I literally get into like the ground on my back and just like lay there crying my eyes out. And I've done, I did it like three or four times or I would have to stop and literally like, sit on the ground and just like you know kind of like when you get up too fast and you like have to sit back down is one of those things and i started having to like i talked to people i talked to a couple people about it but it was more about like taking it more slow and i got to the point where i had to do exactly what i do with everyone that i help when these attacks started coming on i would put my hands on my knees look down the floor and look for and just remember i'm like i'm not in the hospital anymore i'm not like my stomach isn't opened up I can breathe. I'm just working too hard. And I need to walk. And I would start walking, put my arms above my head and do like deep breath breathing and just say it over and over. I'm not in the hospital. I'm working out. And now it's been about two and a half, two months, two months since that's been happening. And now I work out and I don't have any problems with that. Sometimes it'll start to happen, I feel like, but um, now I'm at a stable part. But you have to remember our mind is a muscle. We have to train it because it's always going to be defensive. Yeah. How much of that do you think was physical and how much do you think of that was mental perspective? Like how much was your mind making the physical worse, I guess, in that scenario? I, my mind was definitely making it worse. I mean, I, with the gymnastics that I went through, the training that I went through there, like, and I've never had an instant growing up where like I was working really hard and just wanted to quit because it was too hard. Just because I remember that, training from gymnastics like if i quit i lose my spot if i quit i'm not going anywhere and i would always push it even i would like push myself to exhaustion in gym workouts sometimes um and i remember like during the workout i was more negative to myself being like i have to stop or i'm gonna die like i, I always went to like an extreme because i was in i just pictured myself back in that hospital bed doing that stuff and not being able to control the situation yeah it's it's really interesting to see 
how the two are intertwined and, and connected. Um, that's, I mean, the goal of this podcast is to open people's eyes to that and how if you are able to master your mind, like in turn, you're then able to master your body and the two play mm-hmm. off one another just exponentially. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Hopefully that story resonates with someone. It definitely resonates with me. Uh, what's next for you in the coaching space and where can those listening in kind of find you and keep up with all the great things that you're doing? Of course. Um, I have a personal website that's bowwhitman.com. Um, Bo is spelled B-E-A-U, for those of you that are wondering. <laughs> and uh, my Instagram handle is bow.whitman, W-H-I-T-M-A-N. Uh, I'm doing everything from classes. I teach gymnastic strength classes to high-intensity hit classes that include weights or no weights. Um, I offer um, a 30-day unlimited class every month for anyone that wants to sign up. I also do uh, handstand classes. So there are handstand classes available for if you ever want to learn handstand. And then the biggest thing I just started is it's called Rebuilt to Inspire. Um, Remembering back onto the quote of not to just inspire yourself, but the people around you. Um, It's for cancer survivors to take them from stranded to strong. So it's a 30 day program where we go through workouts three times a week. We have mindset calls once a week. And then we have guest coaches that come in and talk about nutrition that talk about yoga, meditation, where to be in in our life. And it's to kick start their lives back into what they were before the cancer or put themselves into a better position. And then it feeds into another 30 day program after it, if it works for them or if they like suit for the program. So I love that. I, I love everything that you're doing. I just want to say I, I can, acknowledging you and I appreciate you as a coach, as a person, I'm happy that we connected with one another because you've had a profound impact in my own just being as a person and being more okay with putting myself out there more. So I I just want to thank you for that. It's been huge for those listening in. Definitely check out Bo's stuff. It is phenomenal. Hopefully it will do the same for you as it did for me. Thanks, man. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Bo. I can't stress enough the importance of leaning into our vulnerabilities. I wish this was something I did more of personally as an athlete. It would have really made me more open to changes in the later stages of my career, become more okay with not having to be a perfectionist all the time. For sure, a topic for a later episode. If you haven't done so already, send this episode to a friend, a family member, or a teammate who could use a boost. Stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by following me on Instagram at Athletic Mindset Podcast. And remember, if you can change your mindset and how you think, you'll be able to change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you all next week.